Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Library, the show where we host conversations with thought leaders in each vertical of commercial real estate, from founders of the largest REITs to chief city planners and everyone in between. Today, our special guest is Bob Corteau. He is the CEO of Altus Group. For those less familiar with Altus, they're headquartered in Toronto. They have 2,500 employees and as of last year, 500 million in annual revenue. They're a key uh, pillar in the commercial real estate space. Virtually everyone in real estate investing knows their program Argus. Uh, many are familiar with their program RealNet. I, for instance, use it on a daily basis. Or you might know some of their service lines. They're dominant in property tax and valuations, uh, you know, the rest of their consulting services as well. Uh, for instance, they have a 60% market share in Canada for property tax consulting. Bob Corto, who we're speaking with, was formerly the president of SAP for North America. Uh, SAP is a massive company valued at $223 billion, last time I checked. Um, so this is a man who really understands big business, and this is a guy who really understands commercial real estate. So we're really lucky to sit down with him. This, for you guys, will be interesting if you care about the evolution of the real estate industry and if you care about big data. Altus is a huge data company, and big data is the biggest thing in real estate right now since Argus. Uh, before we dive in, I want to say a quick thank you to our sponsor, KMB Law. KMB Law are corporate real estate lawyers that specialize in the acquisition, disposition, and financing of commercial real estate. They're very dependable, very responsive. Check them out at kmblaw.com. Again, kmblaw.com. Our second sponsor is Mizrahi Developments. Mizrahi Developments was founded with the vision of changing the expectations and standards in the development industry, and they hit that mark every day. For instance, right now they're building the tallest condo in Canada. You can see it being constructed at the corner of Young and Bloor on the southwest side. It is called The One. Please support us by supporting them if you enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Library. I'm Damon Tamanawala. You know my co-host, Garrett McGillivray. And today we're joined by Bob Corteau, CEO of Altus Group. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, great. Thank you for having me. Great to see you guys. Uh, so usually we, we love to get a little background sure. on our guests. How did you get to this position? Can you give us a quick summary of how you got to where you are? Um, you know, my whole career has been in technology and um, pretty lucky because uh, I, I, I joined the industry uh, in the 80s when I was really starting to form. And I was really fortunate uh, to join with uh, Hewlett Packard in their global internship program. And that set me up uh, pretty well because I came out of a business background. There was a shift going on from engineers in these technology companies to business grads. And so the ramp up on learning um, was incredible. And so that's kind of foundation uh, of my career. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I work, sorry, you got to right in here? Just rock star it. Just okay. All right. All right. You want me to take it off? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. 
so that was really a great you know foundation for my career and and then you find yourself uh working with you know some of the i think great companies in the world and at that time that meant you're working for a u.s company right. and so i had an opportunity to uh watch wander learn from you know some amazing executives but a good part of my career was in the u.s as well so i was commuting you know, for example in my last job uh, uh to europe in philadelphia almost you know weekly you're on a plane somewhere but i always kept my family in toronto um so uh when i uh, i left sap which is my last company uh, global company you know 100 million dollar valuation i was the global chief operating officer and uh ran north america which was their biggest region um you know i i definitely wanted to do something in canada mm. and at sap um we were a company that originated when i first joined it focus on industry solutions and i love that uh, because you end up really talking about the business and thinking about digital transformations and how you get at it we moved away from that to be really focused on uh, a capability that you could sell to every industry hr finance um, uh, technologies like success factors that you know really change the way companies work and and i always felt like you know we missed an opportunity and when Altus Group uh, came to me and I did my uh, view of where, where this company uh, could be, it was a perfect storm. You have an industry-leading brand like Argus. You have an industry in transformation. Um, we didn't, I didn't believe through my thesis that, you know, adoption rates were anything like any other industry. Mm -hmm. And it was going to change because with the institutionalization of commercial real estate, you had to have data, you had to have systems, you had to have kind of insights. And so, you know, relative to, you know, running a software company in the U.S. or taking another job in the U.S., it's an amazing opportunity to lead a public company in an industry that's transforming in the city I want to live in. So that's how I ended up here. Right. Uh, and so, so off camera, you spoke briefly about starting your own company yeah i think you could speak to that yeah but well what happened was i took over a uh a private company yeah. um uh after i left xerox so you go out of a global job where you're running one of their large businesses and you go to a basically zero revenue startup big change and um uh, i wanted to do that and and you know you part of your first question i think is you know, that was the linear view of how I got here. You take a job to take another job to, you know, get up. But but, but my, my own experience and, you know, if I, if I had to talk about, you know, what drives me is the opportunity to learn, uh, to, to take on a different challenge. And I've kind of wandered through my career trying to do that, you know, like where inside a company, um, if I was in a leading a sales division, you know, I wanted to go over and learn about services or right. I've even run a lab, if you can believe that, a technology lab uh, where we were building products as part of my role. Loved it uh, because you're working with people that, you know, just think differently and that forms you uh, as a as a person. So so I think um, the path forward was always about learning. So when this when when I left um, 
Xerox, I said, I'm going to just do a startup. I'm going to do an early stage venture back company. Uh, met some folks on this board that were looking to really turn this company around, get it charged up on sales. They had a great product. And it was an amazing opportunity. And, and I took the job, um, you know, almost to say that I wanted to punch that ticket in my career. I wanted right. to work for a venture back company. And it was, it was great. But I was telling you offline, hardest thing I ever did. You know, every day you're figuring out how to make payroll, like we're trying to raise more money. You know that, you know, at, at a large company like SAP or Xerox, you, you're just trying to make sure the pipeline lands properly. Here, it's like, I got to get a deal, one. Uh, and if I don't get that deal this quarter, uh, then, you know, it's going to put some real pressure on our ability to raise money, right? So just a whole different orientation of stress and pressure. You know, it's like, you know, business stress is different from personal stress. Am I going to get paid? Uh, in right. business, when you work in a big company... <laughs> I find that you, to be very similar. In, no, no. <laughs> if, if you, if you work in a big company, you're, you're, you're going to get paid. You know, you work in a small company, we may not be able to pay people. Uh, and that's why I have so much admiration for entrepreneurs. And, and what I got out of that is that, you know, when you, when you start working in, you know, a company like Altus or SAP, when people start saying, you know, we're missing this feature or we're not competitive here, and then you've had the experience of working in a small company, it's like you have zero empathy <laughs> for people that are moaning and groaning. Mm -hmm. It's like, guys, like we got lots. We're in a great building. Right. We have good enough products. Now it's just about, you know, hustle. And so, so that's, that's, that's my orientation. Great experience. And what it gave me, uh, having done that, is that it just charged me up on, you know, the confidence, the ability to deal with problems in a, in a large mm -hmm. company. But I also learned that that's where I could probably be most effective and I enjoy it the most, which is part of the, you know, the, the idea of uh, pursuing your career. The, the ability to find a job or a role, even as a CEO, that's really important that you really like doing and you're good at is is uh the pursuit of an amazing life and and so uh, i always tell people in my company that you know you got to push that agenda you got to really start really understand even though people get into a career and they say they love it but you should explore a little bit broadly you should find out what else turns you on because as you get older every five years things change your interests change, just like it does in your personal life. Right. Um, can you can you talk about when you so you got to Altus then in 2012? Yeah. yeah. In 2011 or 2012? 2012. 2012. Uh, I remember when I joined Colliers as a new graduate. I got in here and I was thinking, you know, this seems a little archaic the way that the processes work, and you know you grow to understand that this is kind of just all commercial real estate yeah. and uh, you know, Collier's is making great strides. Uh, but can you talk about some of the, some of what you saw in 2012 and some of your early missions uh, to change the company at Altus? Yeah. The, the big thing um, that Altus did in terms of their transformation is obviously buying Argus. So you're moving from a services company primarily to be a software and technology company, but you know, it, it, to run a software business is um, a skill that you need that's different 
uh, from maybe what they had before I joined there. And, and so get this. Uh, I come in. This is a standard in the industry. It's a, pr a product that was built before the Internet, wasn't web-based, uh, and we decided that we were going to move it from a single-asset valuation product to a portfolio product, so effectively um, to uh, be able to have, you know, portfolio managers, asset managers do modeling, forecasting, budgeting, you know, at a level where they can look at their portfolios. And we had a long-term version, but that was the first first playbook, of which that creates amazing efficiency, a better product. And we go to the market and we tell them, hey, guess what, guys? We're going to modernize Argus. And everyone told me, no. Don't don't change this product. Yeah. It, it, we love it. We just learned. We already it. know we just it. Learn how to use we just it. Just learn how to use it. Don't change it. I'm like, guys, this is a 25 year old product, and we had huge, huge pushback on changing Argus. And I learned for the first time through that that people like software only twice: when you buy it, and when you try and take it away from them. Other than that, there's features missing. There's problems. There's issues. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we had to uh, convince the market uh, to change. And at that point, you know, people didn't see the need. Fast forward, um, you know, seven years later, uh, there's now, at that point, you could count software companies in the real estate industry in the hundreds. Now there's over 3,000 software companies serving the commercial real estate industry. I, I call that the push era. A lot of venture, a lot of interesting startups. People like uh, Nick Romito at VTS was in a job like yours, and he said, gosh, we can do better. He started a great company called VTS. So really a huge amount of activity going on to present new ways of doing business with younger people. Uh, and I shouldn't just say university younger people, but people say it could be better. The latest wave that's going on is the pull economy, and this is a big change. The pull economy is now, you know, younger CEOs, investment, uh, aggressive investment companies, you know them, PE firms, mm. <clears throat> that are coming in the market and say, I want data, I want advanced software, I want to create advantage through new tools, I want to have productivity in my buildings, I want to try new asset classes, right. and I want to use technology and data to drive everything I do in the business, right? So that's the pull economy that's going now. Right. And now you're gonna see real acceleration uh, in terms of how people use technology. And so that's, that's what I would have predicted, uh, not to say that I have a license on how industries are gonna evolve, but now it's really, really taken off. It's pretty cool. Right, well. You know, just just a couple of years ago when Kyle Dubas became the GM for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Right. Right. So yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. 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 That's the direction that you see. That's a problem for me because I'm older and I see these young guys coming in and changing. <laughs> now they're great customers, but but it's funny. It's funny you say that. It's uh, uh, I, I actually uh, hugely fan first of all, um, but I, I'm really always intrigued on how things change so fast because if you look at Kyle Dubas the change in a Mike Babcock, and then all of a sudden every coach in the league's losing their job. Mm -hmm. It's like, what happened, right? right? And that's how transformations happen, where all of a sudden the universe wakes up and says the way we've been doing it is not meeting today's requirement to make it a better economy. 
Right. I feel like that there's a parallel to pick up on your idea to real estate. All of a sudden, the, the universe that is real estate CEOs, developers have woken up and said, there's a better way to do this. It's an exciting time. It's a hockey analogy. Did you think we'd do a hockey yeah. analogy yeah. on your no. podcast? So, he loves go. it. <clears throat> um, so can we talk about... You keep, on, you keep on looking over there like, come on, help me out here. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I want to see how I, far I always, this hockey analogy goes. Yeah, yeah. I always look over because we don't have an order to these things. Yeah, no problem. So I don't I'm know kidding. if he's going to jump in. Um, I'd like to talk about the progression of prop tech and, and uh, data and everything for the next sure. five years. But first, can you tell us about Altus's plan for the next five years? You have these three yep. business lines uh, with the software... Uh, what you guys have in data and then the more of the service aspect, yep. right? Yep. Uh, so where are we going to see those? Hey, everyone. I want to say a huge thank you to another one of our sponsors who we are obsessed with, Green Fox Capital. Green Fox Capital specializes in structured debt and equity placement for commercial real estate. They provide strategic financing for the largest names in commercial real estate when it comes to commercial property and land acquisitions. Over the last few years, the team at Green Fox has completed over $2 billion worth of placements and has built a reputation around strategic guidance. If you're looking for sharper interest rates, a higher loan of value, or better terms, go to greenfoxcapital.com and hit the request a call button and a member of your team will reach out to you within 24 hours. Again, that's Green Fox Capital. Uh, on a slightly different note, if you're a broker and you end up working on a deal and introducing them in order to facilitate it and help your client get better financing terms, they pay absurdly ridiculous uh, and, and attractive referral fees. Uh, so definitely give them a shot and you feel free to use them as a sounding board. They're the nicest guys and certainly have the reputation that kind of precedes them and will take care of your clients. So that's enough out of me. Back to the episode. Thanks for listening. Yeah, I, look at um, if you're running a company today, um, I think Altus Group, uh, in my opinion, uh, mirrors what every company should be thinking. How could you not be using software and data to change the way you do business? And we're in the fortunate position where we can directly influence it. Um, you know, it's, uh, collecting in our cost division, collecting data on all of the projects we're working on to give you good visibility, tracking, benchmarking, you know, cost to build uh, kind of data. So we have the software, we have the data, and we have the people that are doing the work. And you want that uh, to create competitive advantage in our offerings, but it's a mirror on what the way companies should be thinking about, you know, operating whatever part of the business uh, that they're they're in. You know, everywhere from property management to, you know, cost of construction to right. ongoing uh, performance valuation. At this point, to have metrics like every other industry in the world that determine how are you doing in terms of driving performance, but actually doing it against best-in-class performance in the industry is a norm in every other uh, part of the, you know, in every other industry. And so, um, you know, it's coming coming to uh, uh, our universe of commercial real estate. We're a company that's just doing it. Um, and so uh, I, I think for Altus Group, 
if you look at the next five years, we have, you know, 7,000 software customers, you know, over 50,000 professional services customers. Um, we have in Argus um, tens of thousands of users, and we create hundreds of thousands of pieces of information that get used once, thrown away, or locked inside people's hard drives that we're pushing now into the cloud. And that's going to give companies an opportunity to really start taking their data and using it as a, 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 an opportunity to really uh, control, understand, determine where they're taking their business. And we want to be right at the center of that. And that doesn't mean we're going to become a data business. What that means is that we're going to combine those capabilities with customers to light them up, to give them the ability to get at that data. We'll also par partner with companies like Yardi or VTS right. in the industry to make data work inside a company easier, which takes costs out, uh, but also gives you visibility across all of the different data points. And through that, not unlike some work we're doing in the US in one of our data businesses, we'll also collect that data for the industry and find ourselves, you know, partnering to give benchmarks and, you know, uh, over time working with companies to create indexes. So, so I think in the next five years, by our position uh, in North America and globally, we have an opportunity to be a major participant in, with others in the industry to really open up, you know, the opportunity to, to get data, to share data, to manage data, which virtually every large real estate company in the world is trying to figure out right now. So that's a perfect connection. If we can help them achieve their goals and then take it a step further, be an important player in the industry, um, then we'll have achieved a lot in the next five years. Right, and everybody wins. Customers. Everybody wins. Everybody's got information. Yeah. 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 Um, so where do, you, where do you see the real estate industry going in the next five to ten years? In terms of like, a lot of technological changes, we got blockchain, augmented reality, 3D printing. Yep. Like I saw a video yesterday, somebody's 3D printing a house with the concrete right. type of thing, you know, and AI, stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, well, look, as I said, it's, a, it's now a pull economy. Mm -hmm. uh, I just did a panel at the commercial, or sorry, the Canadian Real Estate uh, Forum here in Toronto last week, and we had uh, Michael Turner from Oxford. We had Jim Young, who is a consultant to the global commercial real estate uh, industry, and Ajay, uh, who talked about artificial intelligence. I mean, you wouldn't see that four years ago, a panel that looked like that. And, and specifically, um, what you're seeing with people like Michael Turner and many of the CEOs I know in the real estate industry, they're, they're building platforms. Uh, they want to be able to actually use this technology to operate their businesses differently. You know, how much should we charge for a lease in real time, uh, for a lease in real time? You know, what is the implications of fractional ownership? Who are my partners and how are they doing? What's our, when we look at a investment, what are, what are the things that we could do to determine value? Um, once you own an asset, you know, how do you take cost out? How do you sweat the asset in a way that materially takes cost down? Energy, um, the ability to, you know, create tenant experience that also marries up with lower costs. Uh, these are all 
opportunities that are going to create value from the traditional way of creating value where you buy low and sell high. Now it's going to be about operating design approaches, effectiveness, uh, and at the same time, we really, really have an opportunity to use some of this new technology to really change the way commerce is completed. You know, like a simple thing. Um, uh, if, if you um, are a major uh, fund in the U.S., you're operating a fund, um, historically, uh, what you did is you uh, targeted large investors, pension funds, banks, right. insurance companies. But people want liquidity. So if you could actually take a physical asset, immediately moved in into a daily pricing algorithm, meaning make it transactional, which we're starting to do now for some of the funds in the U.S., but then go to full liquidity with you know data that really causes um, the ability to actually take inbound data about you know uh, the loss of a lease or the gain of a lease, uh, interest rate sensitivity, uh, a, a macro impact like Brexit, and start taking public private data and driving that into an AI type of environment that could stand the test of scrutiny, you know, the fi financial and mm. regulatory scrutiny, that opens a door to incredible liquidity where you as a 401k investor or if you wanted to put, you know, um, that building in your fund where you own 0.003% of the building is the way technology is going to really change this industry. Right. Simple idea. Mm -hmm. But I'll give you one more. Like somebody, I was in Japan <clears throat> at a conference um, in, in the spring and uh, uh, Singapore at a conference in the spring. And um, somebody asked me a question at the end. I haven't even thought about it. Uh, okay, Bob, where's real estate going to be in 10 years? Get out there. Just think about it. And I thought to myself, you know, the most amazing thing is if you start with a great piece of property and you are deciding that you're going to build a multifamily, a little bit of rent, a little bit of sale, why wouldn't you start thinking about using auctioning technology to actually take that asset and say, we're prepared to give up this amount of square feet and um, you'll have the ability to influence the, the eventual design of the building Mm -hmm. And you'll actually have to pay for that. So create demand uh, and actually even give them gaming technology to imagine what could be possible. So looking out, you know, in the future, there's going to be companies out there. There already is that. And I'm, and I'm not talking about venture backed small companies. There's companies out there that are going to figure out how to take this technology and create value. Uh, because, you know, what happens now is they build some things. They use the technology to understand, is it one bedroom or two bedroom? You know, how much should we charge for that? Who's going to be the endpoint tenant? Right. Like, walk right past that. Right. And let the market decide who wants to be in the building, even before you put a spade in the ground. Get an option going on some part of that asset for somebody that wants to be in that location. And I love those ideas. So that's how I think about, you know, change. It's not... You know, is AI going to, you know, or is blockchain going to create better liquidity? It's like, I want to take this technology and change the way I do business.
That's a neat concept I've actually never thought about. <laughs> just like pre-sales on condos that you design your own space effectively. You're like, pay more hey, for you that. Know what? I want 973 square feet. Yeah, and you pay for it. Yeah, you pay for you it. You build too. parameters yeah. as an example yeah, you have some of what, you know, how much you're prepared to give up, how much you want to control, yeah. you know, and then let people go at it, right? Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know what that does for the brokerage industry, but maybe they should put that technology out there. So, Probably. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, maybe we'll do it. <laughs> you know, um, so taking that one step further, you've already mentioned so many great ideas. Are there any specific companies that you can highlight that are really maybe game changers at this point? Yeah, I, I, I think um, the companies that I've been tracking most lately are the uh, data companies um, because at, at the end of the day, um, in in a lot of other industries, people are using software and data to change the way they're doing business. So, so there's some you know early, really interesting companies in data that are taking public data at scale, marrying up with your proprietary data to really think about controlling that around decision making. You know, uh, status of the, you know, creating investment theses about a particular neighborhood. You know, where you combine things like adonic modeling or um, uh, trending in terms of house prices, both residential and commercial, to really isolate in on hot, you know, neighborhoods or up and coming neighborhoods, uh, which is, you know, seems obvious, uh, but, you know, more and more um, you start looking at these companies that really can predict uh, with a high likelihood of success of speed of transformation of a neighborhood um, and start thinking about what kind of environment is going to evolve, what's available. Um, and, and for me, you know, we'll, we'll probably talk about this a little bit. When we start thinking about our data business in Canada with our housing price index and hedonic modeling and all the other uh, work that we're doing, we're trying to imagine that we could build a data environment that you know, for the smart people, uh, originally data scientists, but eventually just general practitioners in this industry where they could take that data and turn it into real competitive advantage. And so okay. I'm really tracking and like uh, a lot of the cool new data companies that are coming out. Interesting. It'll be, it seems like it, the industry then might move in a direction that is less, you know, contractors knocking on doors and doing things a more simple way, buying, trying to buy off market, like you were saying. Right. Um, it's exciting. Um, what else do we have here? So you guys are pretty unique given the fact that you're a software company, but you actually, in fact, have such a massive service line. Yeah. Of like you've got cost consultants, tax reassessment yeah. people, uh, appraisers, obviously, stuff like that. In what ways are you, are you, in, are you enhancing their workflow? Because you, with all this technology, you could presumably make one appraiser do, you know, hundred times the amount of work, you know? Yeah. I think I think the um, best um, story I can tell you about that is um, in property tax mm -hmm. uh, because we built up a pretty um, strong position. I mean, we're um, oh, you always have to be careful of public company. The words you use. We're a very very strong uh, provider, leading provider. You know, I won't say dominant or, um, but people could argue that we are. Uh, in Canada, uh, you know, we we basically do work with virtually all the large providers. 
um, everybody's saying it. So, <laughs> you know, I'm not saying it, but everybody's saying yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so really, um, what's interesting there is that our origins are working with the large uh, players in the market. In the U.S., um, we took an industry approach because of the fact that it's uh, an unconsolidated uh, market down there. There's no big players, and that's really worked well. So we're really strong in healthcare, hospitality, um, doing a bunch of stuff in retail, particularly big box retail, and we've identified a couple of other industries where we're doubling down on. And then in the U.K., um, you know, when I joined uh, the company, we were like a 2 or 3% share. Um, we got to about six or seven, which makes us, you know, top three. We bought a company in the UK uh, that equally had about four or five and put those two companies together. And now we're 20% share. We think we can get to 30% share organically, but we've gone after the mid market. Mm-hmm. It's a tenant based system over there. The, the occupant pays the, um, uh, the ratings or the tax over there. Three different models. And, what we're doing now is a digital transformation that combines the best of the three. Uh, and, and to do that, um, uh, what you have to do uh, in property tax, which is um, similar to appraisals, is you're dealing in, you're, at the center of it, you're, you're looking for um, uh, situations where you know, the government, the tax um, authority has made an error. Right. And so we're uh, working on behalf of, you know, the owners uh, and tenants to make sure we get it, which is square on a data game. It's like a data war. Right. And whoever has the best data uh, has an opportunity to really look for, those op- for, look for those opportunities to create value. And so that's universal. Uh, all three of those business models, we have to build data. So I'm, I'm on a tear we're on a tear as part of our digital transformation to collect, to manage, to develop data at scale. And if you think about it, in, in the UK alone, uh, we have 60, 70,000 establishments that we collect data on to appeal. That's pretty cool data. There's rent rolls in there, there's uh, sale information and a thousand, you know, 200, 300 other data points. So in, in, with respect to that, this is data that people really could use to run their business as well. So in the middle of everything we're doing, and part of the reason I'm talking to a lot of those data companies, we are definitely making sure that we control data, manage data. Because it goes a bit like this. If I <clears throat> can find an appeal in Toronto that for a strip mall in Scarborough where, where they got it wrong and we win that appeal, and then take that same logic to all the strip malls in Toronto, then you also get repeatability. Mm-hmm. You know, you didn't make one mistake, you made 25 mistakes, right? right? And look, we're not, we're not competing with the tax authority. We're actually just helping them get it right. And it's a really, it's a nuance, it's an important one. Because at the end of the day, what we want to do is make sure that we take, create the value without being antagonistic. And so data is an equalizer on that. Uh, because when you give them the data, then you get it, you get an opportunity to, um, uh, to get through an appeal in a way that's, that's successful for both parties. Yeah. They just want it behind you. But here's the cool thing. Given that we have all this data, 
Um, we can now, having won an appeal, take that to somebody that owns a property and say, here's what you could do with your property. Right. So data leads to selling and to you know other opportunities to run the business. So what we're doing in our business is done a com we're doing a complete digital transformation where we have data for uh, identifying opportunities. We have data for showing value to the large players. We have data to do the work. We actually have data to aid the um, consultants when they do a survey, as an example, uh, that allows them to do it at a lower cost with most of the data already done. And we have data to follow up with our customers to show them in their workflows that they're getting paid properly. And we have data to show the value against competitors for our whole portfolio. And so that's how we think about, you know, property tax, which you might not think of as an advanced or, you know, technology-oriented business. We absolutely want to build a technology and data platform for a business like that. Wow. So the core theme is data. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a buy yeah. stuff no, it is. data it's centers immediately. Yeah, yeah. And it's <laughs> yeah seriously, buy all the data centers. They need to store it somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you think, you think about that, like, honestly, it's like, obviously, we're a, a company that's in the technology and services business, but... The theme is that you want to control your data inside your company as well. And again, the large companies are trying to figure out how to do that. And you don't want to work for a company that isn't thinking about software and data and running their business in the future. Mm -hmm. right. you, you will be run over. Well, I think that like... Very uh, quickly. Because <laughs> Brett Miller talked about that, um, CEO of Candorel. He was talking about like he just became the CEO of that company and he's trying to work on, they have three different business platforms or he's working on a method of integrating all that information and data together into a singular platform. Right. And he's talking about Yardy, but Yardy isn't powerful enough. So he's working on some sort of thing or looking for something to actually bridge that gap so that yep. they aren't working in silos anymore and that, you know, cross use of information. Right. For sure. And Brett's a super smart guy. Like yep. he really is, uh, you know, I knew him, uh, uh, a little bit when he came into JLL and some of the work that he did there. And, you know, I think Candorel is an amazing platform. And it's just another example by demographic, you know, and energy and, you know, enthusiasm for technology of a CEO president that, you know, will have a big impact on their competitiveness, the, the, way, they, the way they're thinking about the business. And, and that's that. Remember when I was talking about the pull? Mm -hmm. That's the pull. Yeah. Um, and as a... Uh, data software services company if we can see that as a universal opportunity you know 40 50 ceos trying to solve the same problem that's how you build a great technology company yeah <laughs> uh can you can you talk about uh leadership can we go a different direction talk sure. about leadership so Altus has, what, 2,500 employees, something like yep. that. Um, you know, we are individually trying to build our own businesses. I'm trying to build my silo within Colliers and with my team. We're trying to build the commercial real estate library uh, as a company. Uh, can you talk about a few uh, tips for being a successful leader and building an organization? Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, I think for me anyways, um, it's really about authenticity, uh, right? I think part of the uh, the trick, uh, and it's become more and more important, is the this concept of diversity has historically been a little bit about, you know, gender, 
you know, backgrounds, education, skills. And, and the reality is that for me, diversity um, is uh, building a company where you listen. Because um, you could get all the uh, diversity you want against the makeup that I, I described. But if you don't um, have an opportunity to put that diversity to work, it's not a great company. And so what you'll hear from people at Altus Group, I think about me, is I'm always asking questions. I'm wandering around. I'm like yeah. sitting at people's desk. I call people out of the blue, skip level, three levels. What do you think about this? And I'm trying to assemble that against uh, a fabric of, you know, the, what their job is or what they're doing or what their backgrounds are. You know, when you bring somebody into our company that's been the last five years in asset management, they weren't on the vendor side. They were actually buying product. Uh, that gives you a whole different view of how they view what we're doing. And, and so I, I, I really believe that the best ideas come from many. Mm-hmm. You know, as a CEO or as a, a business unit leader, um, if you never had to make a decision, that'd be a good leader. Uh, <laughs> meaning that, and you definitely never had to take credit for a decision, that would be a good leader. Uh, meaning that you've hired well, you listen, you learned how to take that listening into action, you tested that action. Uh, because I, the other the other thing I've said so many times is that I'm not afraid to make decisions. You know, like really, okay, we're going there. Because what happens when you you know as a CEO or in, when you work in a large uh, global company, the decisions you have to take, the hard ones, co- always come with a lot of downside. And so that's why people freeze on decisions. Right. I just take them, but I don't feel like I own them. As soon as you take them. You're doing remediation. We know what the downside is. We're going to go after it, and and to really um, uh, get to be that, you know, person, that leader, um, the best way to do it is to really tap into this diverse, you know, um, set of people and ideas to make that decision, and then keep checking. Mm-hmm. You know, be on the phone. Like I, I, I you know, I, when I'm driving home. That's like, okay, how was the day? What's going on? Gee, I'm going to phone John in, you know, usually in Seattle or California because right. it's like 6 or 7 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. But in the morning, I'm phoning the guys in the UK. Right. Hey, what do you think about this? We're trying to do that. Where are you going with that? Just And, and think about it. If, if you get a call like that from, you know, the CEO of Colliers, like, you feel pretty it. good. Yeah. Right? And so, and, and I'm really actually very interested. I'm not doing it to have the employee feel good, but it's a great byproduct. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Doing it to learn, right? Yeah. Right. That's, that's really, you really practice what you preach. I mean, when you walked in here, you asked Garrett like 20 questions about Trez and his background and everything right. like that. You can really see. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So encouraging a dialogue between all of your, for sure. Uh, Why would you like say we talk about data? Why would you hire two or three young data people or a data scientist and put them in a back room right. if it's really important. Wouldn't the CEO and other business leaders want to know this person? Right. Still a social world we look in mm-hmm. and how they look at life. Um, I think that's pretty cool. And particularly as you get a little bit older, you know, the, the world can pass you by pretty fast these days. And so... 
I, I also am really kind of intrigued on trying to, you know, what apps do you have on your phone? Right. You know, what? how are you thinking about how we should run business? I don't have, like, I, I keep talking about um, can we actually build a modern company? I don't, I've been in business for 35 years longer, I think. Uh, so what right do I have to, de- to define a modern company? Like, I need others right. to tell me what do they want. You know, and particularly these days as a leader, um, you're, 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 you're doing, you're, you're checked, you're challenged, uh, not only by your board, not only by your management team, but the person who just joined the company gets to go on Glassdoor and say, <laughs> right, yeah. you're not very good. Right. Our CEO is terrible. <laughs> right. So, you know, the, the orientation of uh, developing a modern, interesting, great company. I know the ingredients. The ingredients are you have to have technology in your business. You have to have people that listen. But the bar keeps getting higher uh, because the, the people that are coming out of university are, have higher expectations. They're more mature in their thinking. They have more disciplines to pull from. And so they push you. They challenge you. Another reason to keep checking and right. talking. Right. It's great to learn from the front line because they're the ones that are, you know, out there actually interacting with customers on a day-to-day basis. Right. Yeah. A lot of industries could take, you know, lessons from that. Sure. And yeah, and I look at if you know this, um, if you're going to, if you believe in building a platform of software and data, the competition for those resources in other industries is high. So if you don't create you know, that kind of agreement, partnership, you know, contract, I call it, with our employees about are we meeting your expectation? You don't get to compete for those people. Mm-hmm. All right. Sean, do you have any questions that you'd like to ask? Uh, well, yeah, actually, I do I have one. Yeah, Sean. Um, you know, I think politicians and artists are you know, they're quite, you know, they're obviously synonymous with one another. Uh, I was wondering how do you manage sort of Yep. Right. That's such that's such a great question uh, mm-hmm. because we're a combination. I I think we've done like for sure over sixty acquisitions of entrepreneurial companies over our fourteen year period. So that brings some complexity. You're you're you have a, a professional responsibility, for example, in terms of how our uh, consultants conduct appraisals. Uh, it's you know there's a regulatory body that defines how they have to do work and the ethics associated with that. You have you know a development like we have 200 developers in London um, uh, that are working with a product management team in Houston and you know a business team in Toronto and Chicago. So that creates you know complexity of harmonizing uh, a culture and trying to uh, drive uh, the kind of change. It's it's really, really um, fascinating uh, to think about it. And the way I say it, and I, you know, I just talked about it a little bit, it's like that you in your career have to be somebody that's thinking about what are these other disciplines and what do they mean to you. And so it's creating this, this idea that, you know, I said it this way, how could you work in a company 
that wasn't uh, thinking about software and data. And I really pushed that with the services teams. You know, we got to innovate, we got to try different things, we got to collect your data, we got to take, you know, we got to create efficiencies. Technology leaves the better work and takes away the boring work if you do it properly. So we push that over there. But what's really amazing is that I truly believe um, that in real estate technology, there's always going to be a need for knowledge, like expertise, people that can work with our clients to understand not only the value of the technology, but the meaning of the data that the technology provides. And, and it's, um, you know, if, if I had to describe where Altus Group is going, we want to be an information services business. So if we, if we collect, you know, complex global data on industries and markets, there'll be some part of us that's always taking that and working in between the technology and uh, the client to interpret, to bring it to their uh, knowledge base. And so that's a, a big part of what we do is we say that like every industry, things like artificial intelligence and machine learning is gonna uh, commoditize the basic work, but the high value work for our company as an information services business will always be there. And, and we, we touch through our services business all aspects of the uh, real estate value chain, and that comes back into our product roadmaps. So it's pretty cool that you know, the same people work in a company that use the technology and build the technology. And so that's mm -hmm. how we try and make that. It's, a co it's kind of a codependency or an opportunity to have a broad contribution to the strategy of the company. But it's tough, you know, it's not just, it's not just um, the uh, different disciplines, it's the complexity of age, geography, different cultures. Um, we even, you know, one of the big things that, <clears throat> that's been pretty successful for us is we built a um, pretty, uh, innovative offshore capacity for software development in India. After doing a review globally about where we're doing, we landed on on a, a strategy in India, and it's been amazing. They, the pride they have, and the uh, commitment to our company is as good as anywhere in the company, and and it's not a commodity. They're driving value for our company, and and I love it. Uh, so, it's not perfect. Trust me. Um, and you know we there's all sorts of challenges in the question you have, but that's kind of our the way we're we're guarding ourselves is that everybody can contribute. Great. Uh, before the last question, is there is there anything that you want to highlight that uh, that uh, Altus is working on right now that people should go check out, whether they're in brokerage or finance or what have you? Yeah, I mean. Um, uh, that we're building right now. We like to sell the products that we already have in the market, okay. not the stuff we might have. In okay, well, then, the, then what <laughs> that's you a, have. That's an axiom of software. You know, everybody, like, salespeople want to sell the next thing. I'm like, just sell what we got now. Okay. Like, look at, uh, you know, with, with, with Argus um, uh, data now in the cloud, um, this is the, the big change that's going on is in this push economy, <clears throat> these... Um, uh, companies that are building technology, they're coming at a, for the most part, at point problems. 
I'll, I'll fix your revenue problem. I'll fix your leasing problem. I'll right. make your building more efficient. I'll give you a IOT capability to collect data. And, and our industry doesn't operate like that. It's a workflow industry, meaning when you're looking at an acquisition, you're working with finance, you might be working with a broker. And so, so in some industries and the way these, comp these companies are building product, it's like a, a linear approach. And with Argus in the cloud, we're now starting to think about a workflow approach. So can we build applications um, that if, take a very simple example, um, that you know, could talk to how Collier's works with you know, um, Pickett Canderell, uh, who works with their investors, mm. who works with property managers. If, if we were, um, uh, if you at Collier's were uh, getting ready to put that great building over there up for sale, it's the Altus Group building across right, the street, right. um, wouldn't it be great, you, you know you're going to run an Argus um, file uh, to be able to sell that building, uh, and it's going to be something that the potential acquirers would look at. So once you want to make that available in the cloud, and so in a, an offering memorandum, maybe there's a, uh, a file that has five data points. You sign the NDA, you get 25 data points. You actually get shortlisted, you get the file. Mm -hmm. That file in the cloud then gets you know, sent into your acquisitions team, it goes over to finance, you start comparing it against your current uh, investment thesis or budget, you actually think about what it's going to do to your existing portfolio because you have the Argus file, right? Right. So, so starting to think more and more, and this is a simple example. There's a lot of other, you know, interesting ones that we're building for. Being able to take that file once and make it available to the workflow, the decision making of acquisitions is the kind of things that people should be doing, should be thinking about, you know, in a simple way to start creating efficiency, and if it can create collaboration meaning that you can actually put a file out there where a broker could be talking to an acquirer and say, well, I don't understand why you're using you know, this interest rate or I don't get why right. you know, the revenue looks like this and I want to project the revenue to look like that or I want to put this much capital into it and sitting with your investment advisor or a broker to actually do it and then doing it at a portfolio level to build a thesis, that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. So that, that's the big thing that... Uh, Argus in the cloud is going to do in its origination. It's, it's, you know, build a ability for people to collaborate around the file and right beside that to benchmark um, uh, in that file. So, so that's kind of, you know, in the market now. It's what people should start looking at. And um, it sets up a whole different way that the industry can move. Coming back from when I joined you know, seven years ago where it was a 25-year-old product that right. did one asset at a time. Right. Literally, what would happen is people would take 10 Argus DCF files, put them in an Excel spreadsheet. They would show, go to the acquisitions group and say, here's our view of what this portfolio looks like. they get 25 changes. They would take out of Excel, put them in, 10 different DCFs, model, 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 and then put it back in Excel, get two more changes. I mean, literally tens of hours of work 
Now you can actually model collaboratively in the cloud and, you know, have decision making right in the meeting. Mm -hmm. Right. That's a big change. And taking that, as you mentioned, boring work and replacing it with meaningful work as well. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Along, Routine. Along process, yeah. You know, now, we'll, you know, we won't. Maybe there won't be as many analysts, which is not perfect, right. but we'll get the analysts to do other work, right? I, yeah, so. yeah, I think that's fine. Yeah, I think yeah. that's fine. Yeah. Um, did you have any more questions? Or the last? No. Okay. Uh, the final question, this one is called The Three Truths. Uh, so imagine years from now, uh, yeah. you live a very long and successful life, you, you long and successful career, uh, and you know break every skiing record that you ever wanted to. Um, but it's your last day and your entire family is around you and your friends are around you. And for whatever reason, every interview that you've ever done, every book you've ever written, it's, it's all been erased. And you have three short notes to pass on to, the, to your family and friends. What would you put on those notes? Be a good person. Bring good people into our life. And make sure you find something that you like doing every day. That was the fastest I think anybody's ever answered that question. <laughs> Thank, That's, Thank you, Bob. Straightforward. Great Thank meeting you guys. Thanks for you, doing this. Real pleasure. Thank you. Awesome.